Okay, we are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. And as a reminder in Acts chapter 20, Paul is giving his farewell message to the, the overseers, the leaders, the pastors in, in Ephesus. Now, he's not in Ephesus. Uh, he's in Miletus, but he had called for them to come to Ephesus which is, which is uh, um, like 20 miles away, and they came, and, and he's sharing with them. And we shared a little bit last week, but let's pick it up now from verse 25 of Acts chapter 20. And now, behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves Men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, so in verse 25, he, he, he says... Um, he, he reminds them that he had preached the kingdom of God to them, but he says, you will see my face. You will no longer see my face. And actually, you know, he never thought that he'd come back through this way. But he actually did go back through Ephesus, interestingly enough. He, had, he, he ends up going to Jerusalem. He ends up in chains. He's brought to Rome. But he's released. And for a period, he's able to travel again. But in, his, in, in himself, he thought he'd never get back there. And in verse 26, he says, I testify to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. This goes back to, to Old Testament passages where God would tell the prophets, you are responsible to tell these people. If you don't tell them, their blood is on your hands. If you tell them, then you're free of that. But it is your opportunity, and in fact, I expect you, God told the prophets, to speak my word. Paul feels under the same compulsion that out of service to Christ, he says that I am free of their blood because I testify to all men. We are under obligation to speak as servants. As servants of God, we are obliged to show a witness to reflect something of Christ to those around us. We are obliged to do this. This is something that we are obliged to in service to God. 
I don't know if He holds us accountable for their blood if we don't speak up. But I will tell you from my own life, there are times when I've been very scared about speaking up and I've spoken up and I've never regretted speaking up. There are other times that I have felt that I should speak and I didn't. And to this day I remember those instances and wish that I had spoken up. The thing that I regret most is not having spoken and not even having spoken and raised an offense in people, but what I regret most is not having spoken up about the Lord. That is the thing that brings the most regret in my life. Verse 27, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Then he says in 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be on alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Paul knew something was coming upon them. He knew that men from without were going to be coming within. Men from within were going to be rising up, drawing people astray. He knew this was going to occur in that particular church, at that particular place, and it was going to be a major trial upon them. And now if you look in uh, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. This was this dearly beloved, the one whom Paul regarded as his own son. Chapter 1, let's start reading from verse uh, 3. Well, we'll pick it up at verse 2. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And I urge you, as I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. So you see, he's instructing Timothy, who is, as he warned him when he was going to Macedonia, he warned him, he says, you're pastor over Ephesus, I want you to instruct these men not to teach strange doctrines. So within the church had risen up people that were teaching strange doctrines. What kind of strange doctrines? Verse 4. Nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they are making confident assertion. So look, before in the book of Acts, he was warning them that men would rise up. Now, in First in Timothy, he's saying, look, they've risen up now, here's how you have to deal with them. He says, this is part of the problem. They're paying attention to myths, endless genealogies. And you will meet people like this. They will, they will say, you know, so-and-so descended from so-and-so, and this person is this person, and what they said. 
it is fine to study the genealogies and scriptures and look for the lineages of Jesus and these things. But to build that as a major theology becomes a problem. And especially when you start taking things from extra-biblical writings and making it major points of a theology, there's a problem. And it says, he says in verse 4, These give rise to mere speculation rather than the furthering of the administration of God, which is by faith. He says, critical that people remain in the faith. He says, our goal of our instruction is this in verse 5. This is the goal. It is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction. Love from a pure heart, good conscience and sincere faith. Faith. He said, men have strayed from these things in verse 6 and they turn aside to fruitless discussions. They want to be teachers, they're not teachers. If you want to be a teacher, you pray that you get the opportunity to teach. And, and uh, uh, it's interesting that, that if, you, if you've been called to teach, the opportunities will arise. The opportunities will arise. And then the more you use that gift, the more you will get. Remember what, what, what we learned, that, that uh, uh, to the one that was given a certain number of talents, if he used that, he was given more talents. Whatever your talent in the body of Christ, if you use that talent, it gets better. Maybe you have a gift of serving, a gift of helps. Whatever your, your, your gift of evangelism, the more you're willing to use it, the better it gets. The less you use it, the less sharp you get. And he says that, that these, these guys are ri- rising up in your church. Look in, in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Again, he warns him. There are many warnings throughout, throughout uh, uh, his writings to Timothy. But look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and who advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it was received with gratitude, and if it is sanctified by means of the Word of God and prayer. So look what he says. He says, these men are arising. There are a bunch of hypocrites and liars in verse 2. Paul said it exactly like it is. I know in this day and age we're very careful what we say because people get all offended and they don't come back. Paul said it exactly like it is. He says they are hypocrites and they are liars. He says their, their consciences are branded. And, and uh, uh, here's some of the things they do. They forbid marriage and they advocate abstaining from foods. Don't eat this, don't eat this, don't... I've met Christians like this. You know, don't eat this, don't eat this. And they'll give you some scriptural reason for that. And Paul is saying that's utter nonsense. You can pray over your food, he says, and it's okay. As long as he says... Uh, um, if it's in verse 4, if it's received with gratitude, for if it is sanctified by means of word of God and prayer. That's why we pray over our food, is because it is sanctified, it is set apart by means of the word of God and prayer. And so, so abstaining from, from certain foods of, of don't eat pork or don't eat this or don't eat that or don't drink milk or you know, milk products are bad, there is no spirituality in this. And Paul is coming against them. 
And then in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, in Revelation chapter 2, these men have now been dealt with. So in Acts, he was dealing with, uh, uh, Paul was warning them about it. In Timothy, he's dealing head on. And by the time John writes the book of Revelation, these men have been dealt with. Because if you look in, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. So you see, by the time the, the book of Revelation is written, they had dealt with these false prophets that had arisen. And if you look in verse 6 of Revelation chapter 2, he says, Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So they had identified groups of people that had risen up within the church, that had come from the outside of the church, and they had dealt with them. And so, just because you're in a church where there happens to be uprising and conflict and people, this is normal in the body of Christ. Don't receive it. Don't go. Don't put your hand along with those who are rebelling against the leadership of a local church. You will certainly fail. You will certainly fail if you rebel against the leadership of the local church. Have nothing to do with it. If God moves you on somewhere else, make sure it's God and then move on. But don't verbally or, or uh, come against them or come against them by joining your hand with another. We were in a church once and and, and uh, several of the people who, who were in the music ministry, and it often for some reason happens with music ministries, uh, were coming against the pastor. And one of them came to my house. He says, you know, I want to tell you what, what's going on and what the pastor did. I said, look, I want to hear nothing of this. Go away. I want no part of this. And I asked him to leave my home. I wanted to hear no part of this. Well, it ended up there was a falling out between several people in the music ministry and the pastor. This little music group went off to kind of start their own fellowship and they were going to team up with another pastor. And this other pastor heard what had happened and he would have nothing to do with them either. So they started their own little church and after six months or a year, it was totally broken up and destroyed. I wanted nothing to do with that. I didn't want to hear a negative word against my pastor, against leadership. I wasn't an elder. I, was, I wasn't in, in, in leadership that I had to hear this. I had no place to hear it. I wanted no part of it. Have no part of coming against leadership unless you're you know, over a board structure of it or one of the elders and, and you have to deal with these sort of things. But other than that, I wanted no part of it. Paul talks about men that rise up in churches, how they had to be dealt with. And this happens in the body of Christ. There are people who want to be teachers, people who think they can do it better, and all sorts of things. But remember, if God is raising you up as a teacher, He will put you in the proper place at the proper time. I heard a, a story of a man who, who uh, uh, wanted very much to teach, and so he went to work with the Salvation Army back when the Salvation Army used to, used to really be a Salvation Army. They used to go out with bands and witness a lot, as well as meet, meet the, the physical needs of people. And he joined on with them, and he, and he told them, I'm a teacher. They said, great, you can join on with us. And they had him clean the latrines. So he cleaned the latrine for the first day, and they sent him back to clean it again. And back again, and he was thinking, I'm a teacher. But they sent him back again and again and again. And after a period of about a year of cleaning the latrines, they said, you're ready to begin to teach. So it was a test. 
So if you feel that you've been called to teach, called to do something, learn to serve in the body of Christ and God will raise you up. Okay, let's pick it up back in, in the book of Acts. So after he's warning them about the, these things that are going to happen, where, where men are going to uh, uh, be raised up, that, that men are going to rise up that, uh, that, that are challenging, he says in verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. This is what he did. He commended them to God. He commended them to God. You want to be built up. You want to be sure. You want to make sure that that your walk is sustained. When I was your age, when uh, 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 when I was a teenager, when I was young in college and coming into the Lord, I often used to wonder, am I really going to walk with God? Or am I going to become a statistic? Am I going to be like many believers that come forward and then end up falling away? Is that going to be me? And even to this day, I need to guard myself because I wonder, Lord, am I going to finish well? Because there's many people in the Scriptures that start well and don't finish well. Am I going to finish well? And here Paul gives us the secret on how to remain faithful in the faith of Christ. Here is the secret. He says, I commend you to God. I am committing you to God. And this is what I do with my own children. I commend them to God. You are in God's hands now. You are leaving the home. You are in God's hands. I commend you to God. And to the word of His grace. I'm commending you now to God. This is what you need to do with people also. You need to do this with with, with people that you're releasing. So as, as students graduate... You know, I don't worry much about them once they graduate because I commend them to God. They are in God's hands. Paul taught them, he says, just above that, I taught you for three years with tears, but I now I am commending you to God and to the word of His grace. You want to know the secret of remaining faithful in Christ throughout your entire life? It is right here. The secret for remaining faithful throughout your entire life is to be in the word of His grace. A young man, when I got saved, gave me a Bible, gave me a a, uh, Gideon's New Testament, and he said to me, he said that that, um, he's known people that have fallen away from the faith, and he would always ask them, were you reading your Bible when you drifted away? And they always said no. And he met people who had walked for years and years with the Lord. And he asked them, Are you, do you regularly read their, your Bible? And they said, yes. That's why Paul says, I commend you to God and the word of His grace. You want to know the secret for remaining in Christ? You want to know the secret for remaining faithful? You want to know the secret for remaining in passion for Him? Read His word. Meditate on it. Make it your daily, your, your daily meditation. He says, I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It is the word of God that will build you up. The word of God will build you up. If you attend church every Sunday, but are not in the word of God, you will never grow very much. You must be in the word of God. There is no other way. You must be in the scriptures, must be in the word of God. 
And in that, you are going to be built up and you're going to get an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And so, about 28 years, 29 years ago, I started reading the Scriptures every day. I start in Genesis chapter 1 and I read through to Revelation 22. When I'm done, I start again. I'll pick up reading where I left off. You take the Word of God and you read it and you make it your daily meditation. And you read every word of it and you say, God, speak to me. And you say, well, you know, I don't find this genealogy very, very fulfilling. Well, you read it. You say, God, speak to me through it. And you will begin to find nuggets of gold buried in that genealogy because you say, hey, I remember reading about that guy. And look, his grandson was so-and-so. And you will find nuggets of gold in this. And the genealogies are there to show the authenticity of the prophethood, of the descendancy from Adam to Jesus. These things are there that talk about this. Or of the lineage of David. You may say in the book of Leviticus, I'm not getting much out of it. You read it and ask God to begin to speak to you. You take the scriptures and you will have tremendous success. I want to I spend some time on this because this is utterly critical to your Christian walk. Look in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is right after the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy being the fifth book of, of the first five books of, of the Bible, the Pentateuch. So the sixth book, we've got Joshua now. And Joshua is now taking over from Moses. So Moses is about to die, and, and Moses is dead, and God is, is speaking to, to, uh, to Joshua. And he says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I mean, what a promise. I don't know anybody who doesn't want prosperity and success. And prosperity that God means is so much richer, so much deeper, than what the world means in, in success and prosperity. This is decoupled from money. This is the success of having a relationship, the depth of relationship with God. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. How can you not let it depart from your mouth? It means that you read it so much that when you speak, the principles and the very words of it become a part of your life. The very principles of it become a part of your life. That when you speak, it becomes a part of your life. You shall meditate on it day and night. You make it your meditation. You make it your meditation. So for many, many years, well over 20 years, 25 years probably, I've walked around with, with, with scriptures in my pocket. And I still do it. A, a passage that I'll, that, that, that I'll take from the Bible and... I'll walk around with it and I'll meditate on it till I have it memorized. And then I'll go on to another passage. And I do this with my children. So that each day we wake up into my home and, and, and I wake them up and I get my kids up at 5.30. And, and I've done this from the time they were born. All through their, 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 uh, their years in school. Until the time they leave my home. We would have family devotions and they have to be in the family room at 5.30. The first thing we do is we recite our scriptures together. How much have we gotten together? So we recite the same portion together. We're memorizing the same portion as a family. 
And then I pick up the Word of God, the Bible, and I'll start to read it. And, and we use Hurlbut's story of the Bible, so it's, it's an easy to read, but it, it, it tracks with the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it, it's something that any age can get out of it. And we'll read that together, and then we get on our knees and pray together. You make it a part of your life, and it brings great success. You wonder, are your kids going to go astray, or are they going to be faithful? You do this, they will be faithful. You know, some, some people who are married, they say, well, my, my, my wife doesn't join me in this, or my husband doesn't join me. I say, you do it. Your spouse will join you. Maybe six months, maybe a year. But they'll be so ashamed at the blessing that you and the children are getting that they will end up joining you. You take this book of the law. You don't let it depart from your mouth. You meditate on it day and night. You make it a focus point. You you show that it's important to you. You show your family that it's important to you. If it's not important to you, it will not be important to them. And you will make and, and so that you're careful to do according to all that's written in it. When you read it, the Word of God constantly stops us and catches us, and we say, "Gulp! I don't do that. I'm supposed to do that." And it causes us to follow Him more diligently. And it says, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. That means even if you have cancer and you're dying, God says you are prosperous and successful because His prosperity and success goes beyond things that we can imagine. God says you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Look in in, uh, uh, Psalm, the book of Psalm, chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. Psalm chapter, Psalm 1. And all of these portions that I'm sharing with you, we've memorized as, as a family over the years. How blessed is the man, reading from verse 1, Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prosper, prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Look what he says in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now look at the fruit of what comes from meditating on the Word of God day and night. You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever you do, you prosper. There is a prosperity that surrounds the things that you do. That doesn't mean that every day everything goes well. But He is bringing you on in a pattern of prosperity. And so when things don't go well, He has something better for you. Something better for you. You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. It means when everyone else around you is withering, you will, be, you, you will have strong leaves. You will be prospering. You will be, you will be spiritually healthy if you stay in the Scriptures. That's why Paul said, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Others may be withering. You will stand if you remain in the Word of God. 
busy? Too bad. Everybody is. Order your day around the Word of God. The busyness in life will not change. Will not change. And I know that undergraduates feel that their lives are busier than everybody else's life in the world. And when they graduate, huh, they can have a normal life. And then all of a sudden comes a spouse and, 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 and comes children and all these things that keep you up at night and they're, 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 they're thrown up all over you and you've got dirty diapers spewing out all over the place and all these things. You think you're busy now? Talk to some, some mother of, of three children and compare your life to hers. Everybody is busy. You order your life around the Word of God. You order your life around it. And you will be like a tree. And you will, you will be by a stream of water constantly getting the water of life. Look in, in uh, Psalm chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119. Verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I've probably spent more time meditating on this passage than any other passage in all the scriptures. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Now look at the fruit of making the word of God your meditation. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. You will be wiser than the people that you compete with. And I don't know what kind of political correctness our society has come to if you think that we don't have competition. When I was in graduate school, we were working on the natural product synthesis of a certain uh, uh, compound, and it was my project, and I heard that another group was working on it, and it was a very high-powered synthetic organic chemistry group. And oh, how concerned I was that they would publish a paper, and, and so much of my work was then, was then going to uh, uh, have, have, have much less impact. And I prayed and prayed, God, God, let this thing come forth. Let it come forth. And, and, and certainly we beat them to that publication. And I prayed and I asked God. He says, He will make you wiser than your enemies. He says, I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies are in my meditation. God will give you more insight than your teachers. More insight than your teachers. And He doesn't just say in Bible stuff. He says, you're going to have more insight than your teachers, not just in Bible stuff, but in whatever is before you, you can have more insight than your teachers if you take this word and make it your meditation. You can have more insight than them. And I've had the good fortune of, of, of studying under some very great men. Very great men. And, you know, I just, I just continue to, to believe what God is going to do. And I see it, and, and, and uh, uh, my Ph.D. mentor, one day I, I gave a talk, and he said, he said, you know, there's no doubt you've excelled what I've done. You've excelled. 
And, you know, to me that meant so much because it was a confirmation of what the Word of God promised me, that if I make this book my meditation, He would bring me up in the work that He has for me, in the tasks that He has for you. You make this book your meditation. And you have more insight. Because, you know, just learning how to deal with people. So when I see, for example, one of my colleagues somewhere in the world publish a magnificent paper, rather than get angry and jealous, I'll write them a letter. It's a great job. That was wonderful, wonderful work. And I really mean it. And I share in their joy with them. And the way we learn how to handle situations, because what the Word of God calls us to. Word of God calls us to ask forgiveness. Word of God calls, calls us to walk in humility. Things that are totally opposed to the way of the world is. God teaches us these things. It says, I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep thy word. It keeps us from going the wrong direction when we read his word so that we can keep it. And look at Psalm 112. This is the promise for one's children. And I call upon this promise. And I call upon it in the mornings. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You make this word These commandments, your delight, here is what's going to happen. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If you make this word of God your meditation, your descendants after you will be mighty on this earth and will be blessed. And when I get done with my prayer times in the morning, I go up to the wall and I have my four kids' pictures on the wall and I say, God, I remember your promise. Take them, make them mighty on this earth. Send them to anywhere you want to send them. And I've been praying this since they were little, little kids. Anywhere where you want to send them. Send them places that I can't go. Use them for your glory. Make them mighty on this earth. And and let them be blessed in this generation. There is a promise, not just for you, but for your family and for your descendants after you, if you will meditate on this word. And that's why Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. In other words, you're going to get your portion. You will get your portion. You will get your inheritance if you take this word of God and make it your meditation. This is the secret. This is the treasure. The choice is yours. It is not the devil that can keep us from walking in everything that God has for us. The devil has been defeated. It is only ourselves because we have a free will. The only one that can keep me from drawing closer to God is me. Nobody else can keep me from drawing closer. It is nobody else's fault. If I don't draw close to God, it is not my father's fault, it is not my mother's fault, it is not my pastor's fault, it is not my youth pastor's fault, it is not some criminal's fault for doing something to me when I was a kid or whatever might have happened to me. It is my own fault for not drawing in because God has provided everything for me to get close to Him. If I don't get close to Him, the blame is only on me because the Scriptures are here, I have been commended to God, and they are able to build me up and to give me the inheritance among everything that God has for me. And the same for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the Scriptures, for the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, for these young people. I commend them to you.
and to the word of His grace, which is able to build them up and to grant them their inheritance among the saints. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that You cause them to love Your word, to honor it, and to make it their daily meditation. That they would not slip away, that they would not be another statistic of one that has slipped away, but that they would be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. That they would have fruitful lives, fruitful homes, fruitful spouses, and fruitful children. Because of the promises in your word. These are your promises to us. Father, I pray that they would walk in them, that they would delight in your word. As the scriptures say, this comes to the one who delights in his word. Let them delight in it, I pray. Father, may they take hold of this treasure. In the name of Jesus. Amen.